Hello, and welcome back to Break the Twitch. I'm your host, Anthony Ungaro, and this is an interview-based podcast on intentional living and lifestyle design. In each episode, I sit down with an amazing guest who shares their expertise and personal experiences in areas such as minimalism, habits, creativity, and more. In this episode, number 32, my guest is Laura Peña, a motion graphics designer and storyteller who shares empowering stories of girls from all around the world. After 13 years of living in New York, Laura recounts how she made the decision to quit her agency job to work for herself and move across the country, the role of trust in creative endeavors, and shares the synergies she experienced from being open to the possibilities. Over the past couple years, she's traveled to 21 cities in 10 different countries, capturing the voices, stories, and the dreams of girls between the ages of 13 and 19 for her project, She is the Universe, a global platform designed to amplify the voices of teenage girls of all colors, languages, and socioeconomic backgrounds around the world. From making space for creative work to taking action on big, lofty ideas and projects, this episode is absolutely sure to spark inspiration and action in your life. Finally, this podcast would not exist without listeners like you, because we rely on the wonderful member community over at breakthetwitch.com community to make it happen. But Anthony, I hear you say, another community I have to keep up with? I'm already overwhelmed with social media as it is. Come on, this is Break the Twitch, right? Well, this community is unique. Whether you're someone that just wants to support our work with Break the Twitch, someone who wants actual community support while making intentional changes in life where family or friends may not quite understand, or if you're someone who would just like some guidance on their journey to intentionality through the 14 plus guided courses available exclusively for members, this is a great community for you. Think of it just like a buffet. Take what you want, leave the rest. No additional obligations whatsoever. It's easy peasy. You will certainly not regret taking the leap to join us. So become a member today and get immediate insider access at breakthetwitch.com community. You better hit pause and do that now because otherwise we're going to go ahead and start the show. funny that we're in Portland, actually, because you're in Portland for a little while now, but you don't live here long term. Mm -hmm. And we met for the first time at World Domination Summit. Yes, we did. In Portland. Mm -hmm. So here we are. Uh, what has brought you to Portland right now? As a nomad, the only thing that I have as a constant is World Domination Summit. Oh. So I have my tickets. I had had my tickets for the, you know, for the last three years that are now happening. And so I came for WDS. Take me back before you started this particular more nomadic portion of your life. Mm -hmm. um, take me back to New York City. Yeah. And what led you to New York City? Mm -hmm. And what kind of things were you doing at, during your time there? So I moved to New York City in 2005. Mm -hmm. And I came uh, from the Dominican Republic, which is where I'm from. And I came with a scholarship to go to art school. And I went to Parsons there. And, you know, I started working. I started uh, working for big agencies. And and I felt like I had this, like, thing calling me to do something else. And I didn't know what it was. 
And in my, I went into a deep, deep search. I was, um, I was in a relationship. I was married then uh, for eight years. And but then, you know, I was doing all the things that you are supposed to do in life. And then I always like think of it as as a, as I was going on this train, like a million miles an hour. And then suddenly, I look, I look at the train and I look at the people, and I was like, "Oh, these are great people, but is this like where I'm supposed to be?" And I look out and I see like my life, like another. There's more options out there, and but all I knew all my life was like this thing, like this is how you're supposed to do things. There's something in Spanish that I always like goes in my mind, which is, "Tu creces, te reproduces y mueres." Like that's the the thing that the the cycle of life, right. which means, um, oh, naces, creces, te reproduces y mueres. So you are born, you grow, and then you reproduce yourself. So you have babies and then you die. Wow. And that's life. And then I guess I was like, I'm like, no, as a rebel, I'm like, no, this is not life. So I changed everything. And because I'm a designer, I started wondering, like, if I could design my life exactly how I want it, what will I put in it? And so, um, and also, what will I take out of it? And in that process, a lot of things went out. I was like, what if I just, you know, the idea of home? Like, what if I don't have a home? What does that look like? And I wanted to travel so bad. So I... Um, yeah, I tried that. I put everything. It's first I did like a very like very throughout um getting rid of things. It's like letting go. And I almost did it as a as a ritual. You know, I will do like being very feng shui style. I will go to my storage unit. Like I put everything in storage and then I'll I will started like getting rid of things. And then I'll light a candle mm-hmm. and then I'll take nine things at a time. So that was like my way of me being able to get rid of things. Nine but things nine specifically. Nine things at a time, yeah. Was there something? It's like a fence rate number. Uh, and I was working wow. with a coach that she was like a fence rate coach. So she was like trying to find ways to help me because it was really hard to let go of things that I've been carrying for so long that mean so much to me. Absolutely. Like my wedding dress was there. Pictures that I that were just like painful for me. But I was having a hard time letting them go. And also I was paying a lot, paying a lot of money for this storage that I was like, I'm like, what if I get rid of a lot of these things? And now I feel like I have, still I feel like it's a lot, but in my life all I have is like maybe 10 boxes of things. And I feel like I can get rid of more. So that's in my plans to get rid of more of this. Okay, so I have to go, I have to ask, <laughs> ask questions about this. <laughs> do it, do it. So during that process, yes, because this is a lot of what people are going through when they are, some people do it when they find out about minimalism and want to mm. experience that and go through. And so there's this huge process of decluttering. Yeah. Was it fast for you? Was there a big moment that where it <laughs> happened or has it been sort of more of a gradual change um, when that was happening? Right. So it was not fast. So for me, I when I see people trying to do that, I say, you know, sometimes you have to take it slow because those things sometimes mean a lot to you. Um and it took me about a year for me to declutter, like, and just get to the minimum of the things that I know I wanted to still keep. Um, but yeah, it took a long time. And then, you know, and then I moved to Portland, which I can tell you more about how that happened. But then I started accumulating more things, especially, I don't buy things. Like, I have very, 
not strict rules, but I have like things that I that guide me when because I travel so much and I want to take everything from every country. So I know exactly, you know, I can only buy jewelry. That's it. That's all I can buy. And magnets for my mom. That's it. So you created like this uh, a structure of like a oh, rule yeah. set for right. your because because I I travel very light. Like I travel with a backpack and with a rolly bag and all my film equipment is there. Everything that I use for my project is with me. So mm. I cannot put more things in it. And the rule is like if something goes in, something needs to go out. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes I don't want to leave things that I have because they're being meticulously curated <laughs> to be in this bag. They're like, really? If it's in the bag, it's because I really need it. There is something amazing about traveling or working out of a limited space because it forces you to be intentional about mm. what goes in and out. Yeah. 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 It's totally. And it's not perfect. Sometimes I, you know... <laughs> Like, as I was saying, when I moved to Portland, things kind of changed a little bit, especially because I love books. And even though I got myself a Kindle, I just cannot read books on a screen. Same. I need to touch it. I need to, like, write on it. Um, I need to, like, you know, you know, books have personalities and they have smells, so I need that. Yes. Um, so I got, you know, and here in Portland, there's one of my favorite bookstores, and which is Powell's. And so I I end up having more books than I can now. So now I have like probably more, two more boxes, you know. It's okay. Full of boxes, books. <laughs> I also love books. I have a hard time with the Kindle reader. I always prefer the physical book. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. we've decluttered. Yes. We, we have gone from New York City to Portland? Is that was that the mm -hmm. big first shift there? Yes. I was traveling in between and and there was a like a period that I did not was not in a place. I think maybe six months that I was in Southeast Asia. Mm. And and then I knew that I was gonna come back to the US because I wanted to apply for my citizenship. Okay. And for that I needed to have an address and I needed to be in a place. And I know I didn't want to go back to New York because um I had this idea of something that I want to I want to create and I knew that New York was not the place for that because New York is a lot about you know when you go to a networking event it's like so what are you working on and I'm like well you know I'm working on this thing and it's like not so forgiving it's very much of like you have to have your things figure it out and I and I was in a place where I was still figuring things out and I needed to be somewhere that it was more that, that there was more flexibility and the people were doing crazy things so I came to Portland and I saw a lot of people just like, you know, experimenting uh, with projects and doing something today and then something tomorrow. And I was like, I want to be in a place that I can feel that free to create. It's interesting that you you felt that and chose a location based on what you needed for the time that you're going through. That's really cool. Yeah, but, th but then sometimes it feels crazy. Like my family, my entire family is in the Dominican Republic. Mm. In New York, I'm four, four hours away from them. Right. Here, it takes me almost a day to, you know, to visit them and I'm very close to them. So logically, it made no sense. I didn't know that many people in Portland. I know it rained a lot and I could have been in any, like I had no place. I could have been anywhere, right? So making that decision was, you know, you could think that it was hard, but it was actually, it just felt right. Um, 
there was no logical reason aside from I think this could be a cool place because people are doing cool things and maybe, you know, maybe it's okay to do that. I'm so glad I did. I'm curious also about the work. So you, you said you were a designer. Mm-hmm. I'm an animator, animator, motion designer. Yes. Okay. So you're essentially doing like video work and, and post work in, in terms mm-hmm. of designing motion graphics and different yeah. things. Okay. And and so you're doing this uh, in New York and then yeah. also in Portland. Yeah. First, I quit my job, right? Like 2014, I quit my job and I started, What job was that? Was that at like a company? Like yeah. An so agency I was working or? at this big agency in New York City okay. um, and it was, I was doing events. So with this company, I started traveling. You know, I was going to India, to China, uh-huh. to South America. And I was like, whoa, I got this like love for travel. That's like when the first time that I feel like it really um, dawned on me that this is, I wanted to do more of this, right? So, but I, but I, but I was so miserable. I was not happy. And, and I didn't know why I was not happy. I was just not happy. So I quit and then I started my own company. And I, again, I thought that I needed to do things a certain way. I needed to have an office to be credible, right? I needed to have, you know, work with people and all that stuff. So I rented an office in New York, in Manhattan. And for almost a year, I did that. And that was, I was like, my one client in that year came to my office. And I was like, you know, one day I'm like, why am I doing this? Like, it doesn't really matter. So in that process, I went back uh, for Christmas, back to my family, and I was working in the DR, and they didn't care where I was. So then I was like, oh, okay. So then I went to South America, and they didn't care where I was. And then, um, and then I started pushing it, right? And that's when I went to Southeast Asia, and I was like, we'll see if with this time difference they will follow me, and they did. And so they've been following. You know, it doesn't matter where I am; it's fine. I love that. So it seems like you kind of. Te- like you, you tested <laughs> yeah. like along the way like little bits to see if you could mm-hmm. change that yeah. life like design the lifestyle that you've been yeah. wanting yeah. and was there a point where it hit you where like well this will totally work do you remember? yeah and sometimes I'm scared also right like uh, there yeah there was a point where I was like oh it's it's working it's fine but there were moments where there were clients that were like we cannot you know like I lost I lose some clients in the process, right? Uh, and that was very scary. And and now, where the point where I am now, it's also another place where I'm like, I have to trust. Sometimes it's fine, sometimes it's not. It just, you know, that's the the beauty and the craziness of being your own employer. We talked to a lot of entrepreneurs on the show, other people that are you know, doing different things like this. And being one ourselves, Amy and I working together on this kind of thing, it's... There's so much that goes on behind the scenes mm-hmm. to make the things that are public facing happen that I just never expected. And just day to day of just keeping things running, yeah. half the time you're not even doing the work that you wanted to set out to do. Yes. Right? Yeah, I can tell you, like that describes my day today. I've just been doing phone calls with people that are helping me with the project that I'm working on, but also. I want to be, I, I love editing. I love creating stories and that's what I want to be doing. But I have other things I need to take, you know, that I need to take care of. And also this project, it's not my, it's not a client thing. So, but also I have my clients that I need to take care of. So it's all like a big balance, but it's not like a balance how people imagine it. Like 
and these balls are levitating in the air. It's more like, you see, it reminds me of like this, you know, cartoons where there's like a plate that's flying in. There's another plate that's flying in and then you have like your feet out the air. So it's like not a balance. It's just like trying to balance all the things that are going to break at any minute. Or it feels that way anyways. Spinning spinning plates just constantly. Oh, yeah, runs yeah. On. And then having more. And then at some point, someone throws one at you as well. And you try to catch it. And yeah. And oh, maybe my gosh. We'll break, but you know. In your path of being more nomadic mm-hmm. and doing more of the lifestyle design types of things, how has the way you work changed from, mm. from that? I have to be more intentional about the kind of work that I'm doing and the kind of people that I am working with. I have to be very disciplined about the work. Traveling, it looks very nice from the outside, but it requires, you know, think, you have to think about so many things, you know, to think about, is the internet good enough where you're going? Um, you know, how are you going to handle time differences when someone is emailing you in the middle of the night and you're sleeping, right? Um, so it, it requires a lot of, like, discipline and organizing myself so things get actually get done. Did that take a while to get into that groove? Oh, or, yeah, or did yeah. you find certain things that worked really well? So what works really well has been like getting to know myself um, and when I work best. And um, so, for example, I was reading this book and I forgot the name of the book and the author, but it was about um, what the best times are for you to work, you okay. know, and all that. And uh, And that's been so helpful because I know that I... You know, and from like 10 a.m. to noon, I'm like a machine. But like from 1.30 to like 3.30, I'm out. Don't, you know, like I'm, I cannot do things with my brain. So I schedule calls at that time. Um, so it's just been, it's been a process. But I think it's like knowing myself and how I work best have been very, very helpful. Yeah. What, what might you recommend if someone's in more of a structured environment and they're looking to make that transition, would you give any particular recommendations for them? You know, I wanted to quit my job for for a long, long time, right? And I remember it was um, October of 2013, and I write down my resignation letter. Like, I was done. And I write it down, and I just like, okay, fine. I put it to my computer, so I didn't even print it. And then I put an alarm on my phone, and the alarm said... Uh, it was for uh, January 16 of 2014. And the alarm said, congratulations. So, because, you know, at that point, I should have been celebrating that I quit my job. Uh, and of course, I'm at my desk eating my lunch when the alarm goes off. And I'm at the same place, doing the same things, being the same miserable that I was. And And at that moment, I was like, this will never happen if I don't make a plan. Because some people can just like jump and do the things. I'm not like that. I need a little bit more structure for me to do things. And sometimes I do jump and, you know, like make big decisions. But this one, it was the first time that I was doing something like this. So I needed to know, okay, I needed to backtrack and be like, okay, if I'm going to do this, I know myself enough to know that if I'm worrying about money, I'll jump into the next job. And I really wanted to have my own, you know, do like try having my own thing, right? And have like doing my own business. And so I needed to have like this. Okay, so I need to have at least like three to four months 
that I knew that it would be in my bank and I would be okay, at least rent, like the minimum, like what's the minimum, minimum that I need to survive? And so I like, you know, like did the numbers. So I had the numbers for that. And I was like, okay, so for me to make that amount of money, how long do I need to be in this job? And what things did I need to cut from my life so I can, you know, pay rent the months that I'm going to be working here, but also save money. And so I did all of that. And then I just counted backwards and I was like, I knew exactly when I was going to quit. Like I made a plan. That was my plan. My plan is like, okay, I'm going to quit here by my birthday, actually, by April. I was like, that was January, right? Like by April, I'll be out. Like I'll be celebrating by my birthday. And this time it's going to happen because, and you know, and I made it a plan to just like leave this job in the best way possible Um, because I didn't want to burn any bridges. And at that point, I was so miserable that I was probably going to, if I just jump and you know, went on my own at that moment, probably burned a lot of bridges and I didn't want that. Um, so yeah, I think making a plan that works for you, like what do you need to have peace of mind when this happens? Sometimes, and this is if you can plan it, right? Like sometimes it's life, you know, when you're at that point, sometimes life will throw it like a curve your way and be like, oh, I got fire. Like now I really have to do it, right? Yeah. That happens a lot. And I knew that if I didn't do and something, I'll, I'll, I was going to get fired because I was just very, yeah, I was not happy. So you kind of saw, you, you knew that you needed to make a change. I knew I needed to make a change. Putting that plan in place, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I needed that plan. I needed to know at least that that I had something that, so I could be okay for a little bit and just experiment with things and try things out and not have the pressure of like, oh my God, I need to make money right away. Because that's it doesn't happen right away, you know? Maybe you, you you know you know people that that happens right away that they start something and then like millions flow there. Maybe there are people like that, but you know. It sure seems like it on Instagram. Right. Oh gosh. I was like, how did these people just like walk up one day and they just have millions of followers and everybody's throwing money at them. That's the thing. We don't see what's behind the scenes and all the things that take. Yes. Yeah. Never, never. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. But I think that just like, I always say, it's just like, take the next step. You don't have to have the whole plan figured out though. It's just like, what is that one thing that will get you closer to where you want to be tomorrow? Yes. Like your future self will thank you for that. Oh my gosh, yes. Mm-hmm. I love that. It's so, so reflective of the kind of the break the twitch philosophy of of like mm. the tiny action, right? Yes. Just just you don't have to worry about eight steps from now. No. Things may change. You know, yeah. that's the other thing. Sure, you can plan out all the oh, steps, yeah. but but by the time you take a couple, you may start going in a different direction that makes more sense or yeah. And I didn't know how this was going to happen, but I just needed to commit to making something happen. Hmm. Just one thing. That's it. Sometimes all it takes is one thing. So you're in Portland. I'm in Portland. And you're freelancing mm-hmm. and you're working on this stuff and building your business, mm-hmm. doing uh, this work. And you start traveling and this kind of takes off and you're experimenting with it. Um, so from there, mm-hmm. how have some of your creative passions and the things that you're doing evolved since that time? In the past few years, in this kind of search that I've been doing, which has been like a internal trying to understand myself and trying to understand what is it that I want and what is it that hurts me, what 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 causes me pain, right? Like 
what is it that hurts me so much that I want to do something about it? And I realized that girls' issues are the thing that really, you know, um, just seeing girls that don't see their own value or seeing how the media treats like treat stories of women and girls. It just like makes me really sad and really mad. And and so seeing those things, I realized that I wanted to do something with that. And I went back to the Dominican Republic in this search and I volunteered at a at an after uh, after I volunteer at an after after black. <laughs> yeah, you should leave that in yeah. uh, an after school program for girls called Mariposa, which means butterfly. And and I was, you know, the first time that I went to this place, I just fell in love with it. And I wanted to help and I wanted to volunteer. And, you know, I was teaching animation. And I realized that the girls have so many stories to tell that I just wanted to find ways to do that. But also I wanted to do this is what I this was the crazy idea, right? Like I wanted to create a mentorship program where I connect these girls that needed the most with women that are all around the world that can connect them with people and can like help them get to the next level, right? And that felt really big because I'm an animator, right? I'm like, what what do I know about women's issues? I never call myself a feminist. I don't know what that is. I knew, you know, I knew it was all about equality, but I know this was linked. And I didn't know, you know, I felt like very, uh, this was a foreign thing for me. And being like creating a program like this, I didn't know where to start. So for a while I was like, okay, what do I do with this? But it's all in my head. So I was not doing anything. And and then I just went and um and started asking, okay, so what's next? Like, what is it? Know what the big plan is, but like, what is next right now? What can I do with this? And in that process, I discovered that I just wanted to travel the world. And if I could do anything, I started thinking, like, if I could do anything, I'll just be talking to girls one-on-one and just like asking them, what's your dream? Tell me about your dream. And that's exactly what I'm doing now. And so that's how that evolves, right? Okay. So last year, I, um, again, put all my things in storage, right? Got rid of more things. And because I have my citizenship, because that, you know, that's one of the reasons why I came back to the U.S., I have a new passport. And now I can travel to a lot of places that I couldn't before. And I just created a plan you know, I'm, I'm like doing air quotes because my plan was like, okay, I think I want to go to South America next. And I, um, you know, just like went with it and started to create this thing. And this thing has been evolving since then. And it's been um, just telling me kind of where it wants to go. I'm following this project. You're having these conversations mm-hmm. and and you're filming them. Yes. Okay. And what's the kind of like what's the big picture of the project and and how you're spending your time doing this? So the idea is to create 111 stories. And you know, one of the reasons that I started this is like I want to see the media full of like inspirational stories about girls. That's it. Like if I can do that, like if I can have like 
all of the stories go out and people be inspired by this, that's my, my mission is, you know, accomplished. So that, you know, in the process of that. And I've interviewed already 51 girls from nine countries and 21 cities. And the idea is to go to every continent and have and, and have girls representing like from all, you know, social and um, economic backgrounds. So not only girls that like the ones that I started working with, there are girls that maybe need more support financially, but like girl, girls that maybe have everything, but also, you know, need support. That's other kind of support. Mm. Um, yeah, so that's that's it. You know, it's all, I'm just creating stories. It's all going to YouTube and I choose the universe. And that's the name of the project. She is the universe. She's the universe. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it's uh, so far with... Um, Season one, it's out and and it's there. And there's uh, stories of girls from different places. And now I'm working on the second part, second season that's coming out on October 11th, which is the day of the girl. And that's what I'm like hard at work now, like editing like crazy. <laughs> Focusing away, editing these yes. things. Yes. Because you have, it sounds like you have a backlog oh, of, yes. of from filming and now you're going in producing the episodes. Exactly. Yeah. So this year I took it as I would, my plan, this was the big plan. I was going to launch, I was going to release an episode a week and I was going to be traveling at the same time. I was going to be filming at the same time, you know, traveling around the world, going to places like Iceland and the Amazon jungle and also edit at the same time. I think, you know, I was very ambitious. It's ambitious. (laughs) A little crazy. So very soon I realized that that was insane, that I needed to focus on actually be very present um, and do one thing at a time. And that thing for me was like filming. And then, you know, and I was like, you know, and then the summer I'll go back and edit. And that's how I've been doing it. How are you finding people? How are you finding girls to, to you know, yeah. that with stories that you want to share? It's just been through my networks. You know, I've been, I've been traveling for so long. I think that every single part of my life has led me to this, right? Like the traveling and then connecting with so many people around the world has made it very easy. I just posted on Facebook. And people were like, oh, my God. And, you know, like I get connected to like 15 moms or, you know, schools. And then I can, you know, I just connect with the girls and see if they're interested and then go from there. And I'm interviewing around maybe five to six girls at every place around that. Maybe a little more depending on the country. Okay. Yeah. So I think that's been the easiest part of this project, just finding girls. Wow. The the hardest one was Peru. And actually it wasn't hard, but that was the the first place that I was like, you know, aside from the Dominican Republic and the US, which I know a lot of people, it was like, I don't know anybody in Peru. I don't know anything about Peru. And I didn't make any contacts. Like I got people that give me phone numbers, but nobody was answering. And I just like, I'm just gonna go. And then, you know, and I just started started meeting people and t- started talking about the project and people were like, Oh yeah, I know someone and I know someone. And then it was great. So it's a lot of like trust <laughs> that things are going to happen, which is very hard. But there's magic that happens when you travel, I think. And also it's so magic that happens when you're doing something that you love. So much of doing a passion project or something that you have feel, maybe not called to, but you feel this like mm-hmm. thing that, that you want to pursue and you, you just feel like it needs to be out there. And like you said, kind of the magic of travel, to me, I'm hearing it's like putting yourself out there, 
Exactly. That's I love that. Traveling is putting yourself out there. So anything that you're doing that puts you, that you you're putting yourself out there, this magic kind of follows. Yes, and and you're putting yourself into a place you're maybe not familiar with. Mm-hmm. You're sort of vulnerable, and you're saying like, okay, here I am, and I'm going to now. I'm the the uh, stranger in this place now, and yeah. or depending, and and with that too, uh, you combine that with this thing that you have this passion for, and and you have a why. Mm-hmm. And and uh, you know Simon Sinek or Simon Sinek, he always says start with why. Mm-hmm. His whole thing is like you lead by no 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 this is why come on <laughs> come yeah. along and yeah. and it sounds like a lot of these kind of creative energies and these things were sort of have been working synergistically for you in terms of this pathway of this coming together. Yeah, it's pretty magical. I you know I'm I'm very woo woo. Meaning, like, I believe in a lot of things. You know, I believe that the universe has my back. One of my first books that I wrote, uh, that I was reading, oh, my God, in my English, wrote. Is that the way you say it? Okay. Uh, so it was The Alchemist. And I love the idea that the universe has your back. And, but also I'm skeptical sometimes. And I question everything. And I want proof. And just show me. But there are things that have no way to, sh- they just happen. And I, I can tell you that they just happened to me. You know, like, for example, give you an example of how I know that. This is how I know I'm following the right thing, right? Because sometimes I'm doing things and I'm like, why am I doing this? Why am I going to Iceland in the middle of winter? It was when I landed in Iceland, it was all white. And I knew one person. And I was like, am I crazy? Like, why is this? Like, why am I making this decision? So I, because the number of, you know, the the number of interviews that I'm doing is 111. And that's like a spiritual number. Like I was a con- ask. Yeah, like it's like a number that's like a, you know, and sometimes you see the clock and you're like, oh my God, it's 111. I don't know if you see that, but some people do. Or you see a number and you're like, I've seen that number like five times today, right? So that has been that number for me. I see it a lot. So I take it as a good sign. And so I land in Iceland and I'm like, what am I doing here? So when I get to the building that I'm staying with this woman that was like, so, so this is, so someone introduced me to this woman on Facebook and they're like, Hey, she's going to Iceland. And she's like, Hey, she can stay with me. I didn't know this person. Right. So I'm coming to this home of this person that I don't know. And in this country that I don't know anything about. Right. I don't usually don't do a lot of research when I go to places and I'm really bad at geography. So I'm like, oh, this is where Iceland is. Okay, great. I'll be there tomorrow. Uh, so I get to the building. And guess what? The number of the building is 111. Oh, wow. Yeah. So things like that keep happening to me. And I know that those are, you know, some people might say like, oh, yeah, of course. Like, that's just by chance. I was like, yeah, you can think that. That's fine. But I I, I have like, the, it gives me some like, yee and you know, amazingness inside just to think that something else is planning all these things for me. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of guiding the guiding the way in some sort of yeah. way that you get to follow along with. Yeah, exactly. I feel like it's I'm co-creating with something else. Co-creating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have to do my part too. I have to show up and, and be there. You know, it's just not, it doesn't just happen. Um, but when I do, then magical things happen. The creative process mm. is something that comes up 
on the show a lot or in something that we talk about because it's so different for for people. Mm-hmm. Um, do you ever feel like you're running up against a wall with things like this, even when you have your this deep desire to to oh, yeah. share this thing? And what is that like when you experience that? How does that manifest? Oh, it's awful. <laughs> I can tell you an example right now. I so when I came back from my travels, um, my I feel like my job was to sit down and watch the content, right? Organize the content, watch the content, see what I have, see what I need. And I keep thinking about this and I keep talking to people. I'm in Portland because I'm going to go watch my content. And I keep talking about it. <laughs> and I keep talking about it. <laughs> I keep talking about it. And so that's when I was like, okay, I need to know when are the times that I work best, right? So I start reading productivity books. And I'm like, okay, I know that. I got that down. Okay, bullet journaling now. I need to organize myself. So I started like, you know, like putting things before the actual doing the work, right? Like I'm having a hard time sitting down and doing the work. And and so when, you know, it's hours and hours. Each interview is about an hour, right? And I'm doing a three-minute video. And so to watch each one of these videos, it takes me about three hours because I'm trying to find what is it that they these girls have in common, right? Like I'm now trying to see that. And that was really hard. I haven't finished. I realized also that nobody's waiting for that and I don't have to rush it. I, I made myself like in this month, I'm going to watch all of my, you know, 51 videos, 51 hours of this thing. And I'm going to sit down. And <laughs> my plan at the beginning was like, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to watch three videos a day, which means like three by, you know, by three. It's like, what is that? Nine? Oh gosh, my math. Um, so nine hours. I was like, I'm going to watch videos for nine hours and I'll be fine. Um, no. So sometimes it's not that easy. There's something that I love that another, actually another podcast guest this season, Charlie Gilkey. Uh, I know Charlie. You know Charlie. Yeah. So so he was saying, and it was hilarious because it's so true that uh, we don't we don't like thrash or make a big deal about taking out the the garbage. Mm-hmm. Yet it's something that you know we need to do. It's it a thing. Needs to be done. Just needs to be done. But it's the things that we care most about. Mm-hmm that we end up fighting and feeling the most resistance with. Right. Because what? of their importance. Right. Yeah. But why is that? <laughs> you know, for, for me, this thing has been, like, Break the Twitch to me is very, very, it's a very, very, very important thing in writing the, a book or doing different things like this. And I've experienced the exact same thing with this where sometimes the task can be very simple, but I just fight and fight and fight with it. And it just feels like, part of taking something from your head and putting it out into the world means it's no longer perfect in your head. Mm. And then gosh, yeah. And then when you there. Right? Yeah. <laughs> because as long as it's up here, oh yeah. and doesn't exist in the material world, right. we it, it's it yeah. is perfect. You can say like, yeah, I'm doing a documentary, but like when, you know, I think that's it. Like right, for me is the idea of if I put that out there, People will see that I'm a failure, right? Or I will see that I was wrong, or I will see that I don't know what I'm doing, or whatever. You know, the I feel like, you know, doesn't have to be like that for everybody. But I guess for me, it might be that I'm just, I'm I'm still sabotaging myself because I don't want to, I don't want to see, I don't want, I don't want to see. Maybe I don't want to. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, it's here. It's safe in my head. 
Nobody sees it, but I do. And I can talk about it as, you know, as much as I want. It's so perfect. This thing that I'm doing, oh, so great. And if someone questions the idea, you're like, oh, well, you know, it's just an idea. I haven't, I've, right. I haven't figured out that part of it yet. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an act of bravery to actually put something out there. And I love this idea that bravery is not, it's very cliche, but bravery is not a lack of fear. You know, actually the definition of bravery, you have to have fear for you to be brave. Yeah. Right? One, one of the biggest things on YouTube too, when I first started on YouTube, the, in that space, right? One of the big things, and it's gotten a lot better, but one of the big things was that comments were not well moderated and people would be pretty mean. And early on, I I would get a comment and it would just like eat away mm. at me. And immediately my brain went into, this person has the wrong idea about me. That's not who I am, who they're accusing me of being. And now I have to prove it to them. Mm. This There could be a hundred like wonderful comments. Right? comments. Yeah. And in that one person, oh, all gosh. of a sudden, all of my energy just goes. Zhoo. And what's been really good. And one thing I've learned is that most often what I started doing was if someone said something like that, this is early on, if someone said something mean or something really unpleasant and critical in a not constructive way, I love constructive criticism, but but I would go to their channel, right? Because it's a YouTube account. So you go to their channel mm -hmm. and there's never anything there, ever. Huh. No one putting stuff out there on their own is ever going to leave... Uh, a nasty comment on your creation because they, under they understand. Wow. The worst comments I've ever gotten are all from people that have nothing out there. Right. And, and so that was a bit of a healing thing of like, I understand, yeah. you know, we're human. We're all feeling pain. And sometimes we feel the need to just like get mm -hmm. pain out in a, in a way. And sometimes uh, other people are the recipient of that mm -hmm. unnecessarily. But, you know, it's all part of this stuff. And right. and so that fighting up against this stuff and putting stuff out there, I do believe is a brave act. And I do believe it's something that we can all do and we should mm -hmm. all do in different ways. It doesn't have to be YouTube right. or whatever. Yeah. But it's like this is part of the process of designing the life by creating things around it that that like work. Well, like, yeah, a few things come to mind. Um, one is Bernie Brown. Right. And this idea that, you know, she uh, was talking about how she doesn't take criticism of someone that's not in the arena. Right. Like if, if you're in the arena fighting also, then we can talk. But if you're not here doing the thing, then, you know, I'm, I'm you can say whatever you want, but I'm I'm going to try to ignore it. Right. And not let it get to me unless you are actually in the arena with me. Totally. And that for me is big because that changes how I perceive um, criticism, you know. And, yeah. Because it can be devastating, right? When you're creating something that's like your baby, almost, mm -hmm. and someone comes and destroys it. You're like, but can you see all the sleepless nights? Like, like, no, I sleep a lot. That's not true. I sleep. <laughs> um, but, you know, all the work that goes into making something happen, right? It's funny to go back to what you're saying about you have all your footage and now you need to go through and edit. <laughs> and uh, it's funny. It goes back to that idea of right now, when you filmed it, you filmed it, you moved on to the next and you got this stuff. And in your mind, that footage is like 
perfect. It's good. Well, maybe not perfect, but you know <laughs> what right. I mean. Yeah. But you know what oh, I mean. Oh, gosh. Now I'm looking at it and I'm like, oh, my God. Right. All the mistakes I made, all the things that I should have done. I should have gotten footage of this other thing. You know, I'm not telling the story completely. What was I thinking? Yeah. One of the first bigger talks I did as a break the because of Break to Twitch, so not because of my old job or anything. One of the first big talks I did, I had a video recording of it, and they sent it to me. I was like, oh, this is great. I can like watch it, and, <laughs> and I can you know improve and, and see where I went wrong. I did not watch it for like a year and a half, and I still don't think I fully, like I might have dipped into it and then gone, and just pulled right back out. Oh, I hear you. Because, um, you know, sometimes it's just, it's facing that, is like our own personal battle and and yeah. because we care is why it's so much more difficult. Yeah. Absolutely. There was a podcast episode that came out someone interviewed me um for another podcast and I haven't watched it. I just can't. <laughs> It'll take me some time. <laughs> you know, probably everybody's going to you know watch it like listen to it before I do. Cuz you know, I can be my worst critic. Mm-hmm. And also I love myself as a lot, but you know, but there is always that part of me that's like, you suck. <laughs> There's yeah. sometimes a healthy, a healthy balance oh, yeah. of oh, yeah. uh, Gary V talks about the clouds in the dirt of like, you have to think that you're the greatest and you just eat dirt like <laughs> simultaneously. Right. Otherwise you go really up here mm-hmm. and then we cannot keep up with you and then we cannot relate to you, right? I feel like the people that are so high that they cannot see their own faults. People cannot, they don't touch hearts. And, you know, I'm in the, I'm in the business of touching people's hearts. So as long as I'm still in this struggle with everybody else in a different way, you know, because we grow, right? And things that were a struggle a year ago might be a little different for me, but still I'm growing, right? People can relate to me. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, how can we connect? How can you connect to me if I'm perfect? I'm not perfect. Please, I don't want to be perfect. I want connection. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Connection over perfection. Let's, oh, let's yeah, coin I that. Take, I will take let's it coin that. anytime. Yeah. <laughs> this this process, it's I know it's going to be different for everyone, but for for people that are looking to create more space for their own journey here, mm-hmm. whatever that may be. Maybe let's call it the, their own creative process. Mm-hmm. What's a way that that you might recommend or a way that you create your own space? Yeah. A few years ago, there was a big tendency of telling everybody, you need to quit your job. Um, I don't think that needs to happen. I think that you can do a lot just by carving a little bit of time every day. I think just like by doing something every single day, that that will give you... You know, you accumulate. It's a process. You know, it's not like I see people. I think this is what I want to say. I see people that say like, oh, tomorrow I'll dedicate three hours to this project. And then tomorrow comes and you don't have three hours. Who has three hours? They just in their calendar doing nothing. We always have something to do. Um, So I think it's just like finding like little moments and being like, okay, but, but being committed, right? And being like the the way that this project started, when it was still in my head, right? Like it became clear what I wanted to do, and 
And I feel like I was not moving forward. And I knew that I needed to put it in paper. I needed to see it. And I needed to be able to show it to people, right? Um, but but I was like, oh, tomorrow, I'll, I'll sit down tomorrow, a full day, and I'll write this thing down. And it was not happening. Surprise, surprise. So I, um, a few things I did that, you know, maybe, maybe they will work for other people. Giving a deadline for myself does not work for me. Hmm. I need an external source of a deadline. And that has always worked for me as my clients. Like if, if I know that I need to deliver this this day, it will happen. But when I have to put myself on a deadline, you know, it, it can be embarrassing saying that because I was like, oh, what? You cannot be accountable to yourself? I was like, no, I can't. I'm sorry. It just doesn't happen. So I need to find something external. And that can look like having someone to be, you know, to be an accountability partner. Or what I did when I was starting this process was I found um, a grant, like a contest that I wanted to apply for. I knew my chances were very little, but I knew that two things were going to happen with this. It's like I was going to have an outline that I was going to follow because they gave it to me, right? They have questions. So that will get me the project into paper, right? Mm -hmm. And then that gave me a deadline, a deadline, you know, something I needed to hit. I needed to hit this by this date. And it was not something I put myself, you know, that I made up myself because I have other things happening that needed that were priority. So I needed to make this a priority. So that was me making a priority. And so what I did is like I committed to every day waking up at five in the morning, which is crazy for me. I'm not a morning person. Oh, wow. So it's like, but I, I, I made it fun, right? Like I made it something that I wanted to do. I included that as my ritual and I love rituals. So I would like light a candle and put an incense on and put music on and just like, and then let it happen and be like paper. I was like, not computer. I was like I, pen and a piece of paper and I will draw or whatever it is that I'm going to do that day. And if I don't write anything down, it doesn't matter. I just had to show up. I will show up for like 30 minutes. And it, of course, they will become longer and longer, right? Like if I show up for 30 minutes, I'll be there for like two hours sometimes. But I needed to trick myself. Yes. You know, that's what I do. I trick myself and I do it, I make it in a way that sounds like, you know, like a pleasure instead of like pain, right? And and that's how it happened. Then, you know, and I think in a week and a half, I had my thing ready to for people to see. I did not get the grant. But I got something a lot better, which was like this project was finally in a physical form that I could see it and I could show it to other people yeah. instead of being perfect in my head. It was very imperfect, but it was physical and I could see it. And you had that external factor, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. I think that's hugely common. I'm, I'm similar that it really helps me. I've been able to balance it a little better as I've yeah. been going on, but good for you. Tell me more. <laughs> oh my gosh! But 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 the the hardest things, the the or the most like substantial things, have been driven by some element of an external deadline, and so setting that itself up. And I love what you said too about tricking yourself. This has been big for me too. I have this thing called the the habit rule of half, and what happens is if I don't do something, I cut it in half and move it to the next day's list. So that, because huh. if you start, you're probably gonna just do it all. But you, you need to overcome the resistance of that first bit of just sitting down, getting out the pen, 
taking out the paper. And if you feel like you're going to have to do it for two hours, sometimes that feels like a lot. Mm -hmm. And, And so even the action of just starting feels more and more difficult. And so I literally have hacked my own kind of process as well and have shared stuff like this too. It's the hilarious part is that even if you set out to do half or you don't do it again, so you cut that in half mm-hmm. and eventually your your run of 5K goes walk around the block, right? Right, yeah. Even if you step out and do that, you're probably going to walk way more mm-hmm. than just a block. Right. But, but hacking like, your... Yeah, you have to. You have to trick yourself. <laughs> play a game, yeah. It's a, it's a game, right? Just play a game with yourself. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah, and I love that you you uh, were talking about kind of making it light, right? Because mm-hmm. yeah. to me, waking up at five a.m. is like, yeah. that's I'm you know I yeah. I'm usually up and going by eight now, so that's like more that's a lot. My morning. Yeah, yeah. Well, also yeah, make, making it fun. I was like, I will be able to see the sunrise. You know, that was like I could see it in my window. It was beautiful, uh, and then it was something that I was looking forward to. Mm-hmm. Of course. As soon as that was done, I went back to my, you know, by nine. I'm like, oh, my God, it's morning time. We, we have our natural rhythms. Yeah, to a so I follow extent. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just, you know, an extreme, extreme case, wake up at five in the morning. Speaking of waking up at five in the morning and things like that, <laughs> you mentioned rituals. And mm-hmm. I have to ask, are there any other rituals that mm-hmm. you have that you have found beneficial that, that you like to share? Yeah. Um, it depends on the seasons, right? I do things. I am very flexible. I used to be like, well, I didn't do all the things that I was supposed to do this morning. And that's it. I'm done. You know, now I'm very more and more like, okay, maybe I wasn't feeling it today in the same way. But I have to, even one thing, if I can do from my list of things that I want to do today will help me. Um, but morning rituals are a big thing for me. And I do morning pages, which is, you know, I write for, I write three pages of blah, 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 blah sometimes and just like getting things out of my head. Um, and just, do you know about morning pages? Julie Cameron, yeah. Yes, yes. I really love it. I just, I don't know why I just find out about it um, like a few months ago. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I've been, you know, trying this out and it's great. It helps me process things. And, and then I meditate. And I've been, um, even if it's 10 minutes, for the past uh, week, I've been meditating for like 20 minutes, which is like, you know, an improvement. And it really makes a big difference. Um, it doesn't mean that I'm not going to, I still sometimes feel the, it, it, it takes time, right? People think that they're going to just like meditate and they'll be calm and life will be good. And that's it. And, you know, it takes, it, it builds up, right? It takes time. But the benefits for me are that I'm less reactive, so I can pause between what I'm thinking and what I'm doing. So, for example, I'll give you an example, right? So the other day, I, you know, social media, it's a crazy thing that we're all battling with because we're like, do am I in, am I out? Um, do I, how do I balance this? Like, you know, for, especially for people that like have business online, like how do I, I cannot live without social media, right? Which is kind of true. But then, you know, I look at it a lot, right? Like I look at my I face, Facebook, for example, a lot. Like I, not as much anymore, but sometimes I do, and especially when I'm anxious. 
and when I'm trying to distract myself, right? So there was, I I was in the kitchen and my phone was there and I wanted to have breakfast and I, I just came from meditating. So I walk past my phone. Usually I'll just take my phone and start looking at it while I'm eating, right? Mm-hmm. And so that, the thought came to my mind of stopping and getting the phone. But, you know, I guess, you know, I'm blaming meditation for this, but I walked past the phone and I saw it and I was like, whoa. And I went to have breakfast without touching my phone. And I was like, I can, that can wait for a little bit while I eat my breakfast. And I think that the pause between doing something and thinking and doing is what, you know, I think is really beneficial and I love about meditation. Totally. Yeah. Building in that buffer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're in Twitch territory here. We're in break the Twitch territory. Oh, yeah. Because, <laughs> I mean, that's that's uh, just one of the biggest things. I just read a study, actually, that came out, I think, about two weeks ago. And it said, essentially, that amongst this massive test base of people, that social media causes anxiety and stress, and we go to social media to solve it. <laughs> I love that. Oh, of course we do, <laughs> right? To escape from right. the anxiety and the stress. That's causing us. The social media is causing us stress, and then we go back to it. Bit of a catch-22. Yeah, there's no, yeah. How do you even, yeah. And so creating that space like you're talking about with meditation, mm-hmm. um, I've seen that for myself too in the times when I've been more consistent with meditation mm-hmm. and and just having that one little moment between the, Twitch the pickup and start because right. once you start diving in, it sort of captures you mm-hmm. versus just that moment of pause in between the thought, the impulse, and the action yeah. to just go, I'm going to wait. Right. And it's it's just like, it's like a switch in your brain that, that happens when you start meditating. That's what I find. It's like, it's not even, I don't even have to make an effort. Like whatever is happening here is happening automatically. And I love that. But that, it, it takes practice and it takes consistency and it takes, you know, time doing it. Do you have any tips for people who are starting out that want to try this? Yeah, I love Insight Timer. Oh, okay. Yeah. Do you know Insight Timer? I, this is the second time I'm hearing about it today. So uh, Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, it's an app. It's a free app. And they have a lot of meditations there. It's just like a hub for meditation. Yeah. Uh, and you can have, a, there's a lot of guided meditations, but also there's just a timer that you can um, just put like five minutes, 10 minutes, and just like listen to some soft music or water and just do it. And I think it's just like, like everything else, you just have to, you know, commit to do it and do it. You know, maybe tomorrow you wake up and you're like, um, I'm just going to try this thing, you know, just the first thing that you do in the morning before you look at your phone, maybe you breathe, you know, take a breath and just say, thank you. That's it for being alive for another day. That's it. I think that pause, you know, sometimes you don't need a lot. Sometimes you just need the pause between they're waking up and going to the crazy things because you have to do a million things. That makes a big difference for me. Like I, sometimes I hear people that meditate for two hours. I'm like, oh my God, that's crazy. But then they're super productive because it's not about how much time you're doing things sometimes. It's how efficient you're doing things or how 
um, you know, how focused you really are. And if you're like have all of these things in your mind, it's you're going to be, you know, the minds repeat things. So you're going to have like the same repeated thoughts. And you're going to be, it happens to me that I'm, you know, I'm like, I don't have time. I need to wake up and start working right away. Blah, 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 responding to emails. And then there's a point where I'm like, what am I doing? What was I doing? And then I'm wasting a lot of time, like, just like trying to figure it out. What is it that I would have to do next? And changing from one thing to the next to the next. And then it just gets a little crazy. And then you're really not being productive at that point and just getting tired. Well, even just what you were saying earlier about how meditation without you having to think about it, alters, essentially alters the twitch for you. It breaks the twitch in that moment. Mm -hmm. How powerful is that then as you go through your day, right? It doesn't feel like we have time to sit and do nothing. That's what, <laughs> the, what the most common thing is like, I don't have time to sit and do nothing, right? Right. Yeah. But you're effectively like sharpening the ax so that when you go chop down some trees, you're, you're going to be focused on that task and you're going to just automatically be in a better place. And I don't think it's this, like you're going to sit for 10 minutes and, and breathe and focus and then all of a sudden you're going to be ultra productive and focused all day. No. Like, you know, it's not a magic pill here, but it totally is a space-making practice, I think. And, and it definitely, definitely uh, sharpens the ax for you to go do your work in other ways. Yeah. I love the idea of like a, a sharpening an axe because the way I'm thinking, I'm very visual, so I'm seeing it in my head, that you can go with your axe that's like not sharpened, right? And you're like, okay, I have to start my day. I don't have time to sharpen this axe. I have no time. So you go and chop wood and you're like chopping wood and like the wood is now being, you know, like it's taking you so long, right? And you're working hard. And you're working really hard. Instead of like just pausing before you start your day, sharpening the axe and then you go and you cut the wood and you're still working hard you're still working hard but you're more efficient yes like what's the point of cutting wood with a how do you call that in english like a dull axe a dull axe yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> it is something that i think everyone regardless of religious affiliation even if it doesn't even have to be meditation i don't think i i think it can be prayer it can be mm -hmm. reflection it can be um sittings focusing on the breath the emptiness whatever approach you want to take but i think this is a pretty everywhere global mm -hmm. kind of opportunity yeah. that we have as we go throughout our day especially with again the the cultural environment that we're living in where attention is the the new currency yeah. and so much of our capitalist progress is funded by the payment for attention <laughs> yeah everybody so that, is trying to call our attention yeah and it's like attention arbitrage so they they try to capture our attention and then divert it somewhere else towards a product or something and and so as that elevates and elevates and elevates it's like we're just just being bombarded from every angle and we just have to kind of like find these moments to Recapture some space and recapture some margin. Yeah. And with that, I will say also um, play is super important as well. Mm. You know, just it's all the things that are that seem like, oh, you know, when we were kids, we were doing those things because that's how we grow and that's how we learn. And that's how we connect 
like, you know, you see when people go and see a kid and they're like, oh, so cute. And the kid is, or a dog, right? And they're like, oh, it's, you know, it's playing, right? Just existing. Yeah. It's just existing. And, and we lose that because we're so busy. And I have this thing now that I'm trying to practice every time that I'm like, oh, I'm so busy. I'm, you know, I don't use the word busy. Um, and I try not to. But when I'm like doing a lot of things, I'm like, oh, I have all these things to do. I have to remind myself that I'm choosing to do all these things. <laughs> you know, and if I don't want to do these things that I'm, you know, I, I, I don't have to do the laundry really. You know, like I might, that's going to be very gross, but I might just have to like, you know, either go and buy another new underwear <laughs> or just go commando. But, you know, like, do I really have to do this thing that I'm saying that I have to do right now? Maybe not. I mean, that's a whole perspective. Yeah. Shift, right? Yeah. Because it's like, it. no, you don't technically have to do that laundry. Like, you don't have to. You don't have to. And you can choose to want to. Yeah. Even if it's not super fun, you can yeah. try to make it more fun. Yeah. You can Kanmari all of it and make it all, <laughs> oh, you know, gosh, yes. perfectly in the drawers and yep, stuff. Yep, yep, yep. I just, yeah, I just think that you you get to choose a lot of the things that you, we think that we have no control over so many things, but we get to choose a lot of it. So you had mentioned the idea of creative trust. Mm-hmm. And I can't say that I totally know what that is or or what it implies. Mm-hmm. So I'd, I'd be curious about your perspective on the concept of creative trust. It's this idea that of making something even when you don't know what it is, but actually trusting, it's like trusting the process, I will say. Um, so maybe we're calling it, something different, you know, but it's this idea of letting the process guide you. Sometimes you start doing something and you don't know where where it's going. Um, a practice that I had for a long time was I will meditate and then I will draw something. And this thing, I started with one dot in the middle and then I'll go around it and then let it be whatever it was. And I think that that taught me that sometimes we think that we want to do something and we're like so focused on this is how it should be. And and the way I see that is there's so much more when we let go of what we think that things should be or the way that they we think that they should be and just just play and and see things as as experiments. Instead of being like this thing, um, it's it's been a hard thing for me to understand that, especially with this project, because I'm thinking that I need to know exactly what this, you know, people ask me, so what do you want with this project? What's the end goal? I'm like, well, I don't know, I'm making videos, you know, and I have ideas of what this thing is, but I'm just letting it be. And, and that means maybe the project wants to be something else, you know. The way I see this is like this project has a life of its own and I'm following it. And and maybe it wants to be a documentary, but maybe it wants to be something else. And I might have an idea of what this is, but if I go at it thinking that this is what this is, I'll probably, I'll probably, you know, kill this baby. You know, like when it's like, you know, when, when you have, when you have kids, if you raise them to be the things that you want them to be, 
you're going to limit them so much. So with creativity and when you're creating something, it's the same thing. Like you can have an idea of what you want to do, but let it, let it also guide you into what it wants to become. Yeah, that's how I see creative trust. Love it. Such a sense of openness to the possibility. Uh, yeah, exactly. Being open. Just, I feel, yeah. I feel like that is so reflective of a, a potential just life philosophy as well. Mm. Because mm-hmm. we tend to, I think culturally, we tend to, to focus on an outcome, mm-hmm. like an expected outcome of a thing. So I'm going to go to this event. This is, I feel like this happens with like networking events a lot. I'm going to go to this event. I'm going to pass out all my business cards. <laughs> I'm going to make some sales and, and just drive the product home, you know. Mm-hmm. And you go and you're so focused on my thing. I got to promote this thing that you, there are millions of these things, this energy and these connections happening in these conversations that are real conversations. Mm-hmm that maybe would have just happened with one or two people in the whole evening. Right. But this like amazing partnership that is a totally different thing and it wouldn't have quite been mm-hmm. your push, but but you're going to be totally blind to it when you hold the expectation yeah. in mind all the time. Mm-hmm. Just like, it's like blinders on a horse. And I've been there where yeah. I've learned, I've trained myself to like, go into stuff and be like, whoa, what's going to happen? I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Anything can happen here. Right. And, you you know, and, I, and I've trained myself also to be like, whoever I'm supposed to meet, I'm, I'm going to meet them. And that's it. You know, if if I was supposed to meet this person, you know, and I also have that mentality. I told you I'm very woo-woo as well. It's like, destiny brought us together. So I'm going to let go of my agenda and just be very present and just be very here. And, and then let... You know, instead of trying to sell myself to people. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. That's a it's a powerful thing. Letting go of expectation, showing up and and seeing where things go and being open to that possibility. That's just huge. So with this project you're doing, shooting videos all over the world with girls' stories, she is the universe, right? Mm-hmm. What is a way that that people can help you with this project that feels so inspired? To get more stories out there, we need more financial support, of course, always. Um, and so you can find everything at sheistheuniverse.org and also sharing the stories to get the stories to more people. And everything is on the website. So sheistheuniverse.org. Perfect. And we'll be putting links to that and some of the videos and things in the the description for this and on the show notes and everything. So okay, yeah, please like email me, find my email and like let me know what you think. I would love to hear what you think about this. So now we will have you do one of the infamous <laughs> Let's do questions. it. Oh, okay. This is from Jessica Chong. Oh, Jessica, yeah. What questions have been on your mind the last month? Ooh. How do <laughs> how do I get to Melinda Gates? <laughs> how do I collaborate with Melinda Gates? That's it. That's what's on my mind. Okay. I've just been reading a book uh, from her that I think is fascinating. Um, it's called, called The Moment of Lift, and it's all about women and um, around the world and what she's seen, and I love it. I'm just learning so much, and I'm like, yeah, this is the person. I've been thinking a lot about who do I want. I'm also very careful about who is part of this project. Um, and so I'm like, 
okay, there's a few people and like Melinda Gates is in my mind right now. So yeah. Okay. So for anyone listening, we have <laughs> an amazing project that is designed and is inspiring girls all over the world mm -hmm. to write their own stories. Mm -hmm. And so if anyone out there listening has a connection to Melinda Gates, I'm going to put it out there. <laughs> you never know, right? Let's make this happen. Okay. Thank you. Perfect. <laughs> well, uh, Laura, thank you so much for coming on the show. And, and I'm so glad that we got the chance to connect here in Portland. Thank you so much. This has been so fun. <laughs> thank you.